Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. In the wilderness, we remember this. You bring life with Today, um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 35. That's where we're going to be today. Is we're going to finish off our, our look at the life of Jacob and the, the story that we've been telling. The underlying theme for our look at the life of Jacob has been this theme of broken to blessed. The story of a man born into a family, chosen by God himself, but also a man, the story of a man who in spite of all of that, didn't actively choose God. That God had said before to to Jacob's grandfather, to Abraham, that I choose you. And he reaffirms his choice to Abraham's son Isaac. And he reinforced or reaffirms his choice to Isaac's son Jacob. And says, I choose you. But Abraham, or sorry, not Abraham, but Jacob, he doesn't really choose God. Jacob was called to be blessed from before he was born. He was born into a blessed family and God said he would be blessed. But Jacob chooses a different path than God's plan. And we've spent the last five weeks journeying with Jacob through all of his brokenness. And as we've gone through these last five weeks, it has been a rough go. There has been some really tough stuff for us to unpack as we've watched this man live like a tornado in the lives of everyone around him. Now, granted, at certain points as we've looked at this story, some of the lives that have been around Jacob haven't been much better But Jacob has just been this like destructive force moving through life. Even in his relationship with God, the God who chose him, the God who has affirmed himself to Jacob, we still continue to see this. Jacob's life is marked by these almost two parallel stories that are taking place. The the story of a man who was so broken and we see him sink lower and lower into this brokenness. But then at the same time, it's the story of a man who has God's blessing on an unwavering commitment to him in his life. It's these two stories. The story of a man as we looked through and it was just a constant stream of selfishness and dysfunction and anger and bitterness and all of these things. And yet there's also this parallel story running at the exact same time on the exact same life of God saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to favor you. I am with you. We began looking at the story of Jacob's life in Genesis chapter 25. And today, here we are 10 chapters later. And in these 10 chapters, despite everything that's been going on in these stories, there are five points along the way where God affirms his commitment to Jacob blesses Jacob, promises to be with Jacob, and directly speaks to Jacob. There's five, in ten chapters, 
five points along the way, ten chapters of selfishness, five points along the way of God saying, but I'm still here for you. I'm still committed to you. It's such a strange dichotomy of a life story. But here we are in sermon number six, as we've journeyed through the broken, and yet in the midst of all of it, just like the scripture we read at the beginning of our time together, God has remained faithful. And today we're going to take some time to just rest and reflect on the goodness and the faithfulness of God that is so evident through this story. But to really appreciate where we're going to be today, I need to remind you of somewhere we've already been. A couple Sundays ago, we talked about this pivotal moment in Jacob's life back in Genesis chapter 28. In that chapter, God shows up to Jacob in a dream, and he makes these incredible promises and assurances to Jacob in what must have been for Jacob prior to that moment one of the darkest points in all of his life. But at this dark, the darkest time, God shows up and reminds Jacob and says, I am committed to you. I am promising myself to you. I will be faithful to you. I will continue to be with you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to remain faithful. But Jacob holds on to his stubborn brokenness and tells God, I'll believe it when I see it. Jacob has this dream where he sees angels going up and down on this staircase between heaven and earth. And then he sees God in all of his glory standing at the top of it. And God speaks to Jacob and he says, the the verses say, There above it stood the Lord and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. What an amazing moment. What an amazing promise where where God shows up and he just outlines this huge promise over the life of this man who's in a dark place where he's literally sleeping with his head on a rock because he doesn't have anything better for a pillow. And God shows up and he gives them this incredible promise. Then there's just a couple other things that I want to remind you of from Genesis chapter 28 before we look at what we're going to talk about today. First, he, this is Jacob, he called that place Bethel. Bethel means house of God. Though the the city used to be called Luz. So, So he renames this city as Bethel, meaning house of God. And then Jacob makes a vow to God, essentially saying, God, if you do everything, then I'll serve you. He says this in verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and, I will, uh, <clears throat> and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And that's important to remember for where we're about to go with this story. Last Sunday, we left off in Genesis chapter 33 with Isaac, or sorry, with, with Jacob 
just getting reunited with his brother Esau. His brother who wanted him dead, who, who Jacob, the whole reason Jacob had to leave home was because his brother wanted him dead so strongly that it wasn't safe for him to stay. So he leaves and he's gone for 20 years and now he's returning home and this brother who so passionately wanted him dead was just happy to see him. And the brothers, they, they come to this decision where essentially they decide we're going to peacefully coexist. We're essentially going to peacefully live together. It's a miracle. It's a miracle from God. And all seems good and right. Jacob has returned home and, and begun to dwell in the land that God had promised. Sort of. There's some compromise on the location here, and he doesn't really go back exactly where he's supposed to, and it's kind of close, but it's not really there. And, and you actually see some fallout from, I mean, some mega fallout from that in, in, the, in Genesis chapter 34. But seemingly, God has fulfilled his vow. He's brought Jacob back to the place he promised. But there's something that God still hasn't finished with Jacob. There's something yet that God has to finish. You see, God wanted to show Jacob the, the, the full extent of what God's promises are. He wanted to show him the full extent that when God makes a promise, he doesn't get it pretty much right. He doesn't cast a wide enough target that, that you can kind of, he can hit the target, but, but really there's a pretty open wide space. God wanted to show Jacob what a promise from God looks like. And this is where we come to Genesis chapter 35. Verse 1 says this. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel, that place that you named Bethel, that place where you encountered me, where I showed up to you. Go back to that place and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. God wasn't just bringing Jacob back to the general area where he was supposed to be. He wasn't just bringing him back to kind of the right side of the tracks. But, but God spoke to Jacob in the dream. When God spoke to Jacob in that dream, he said, I will bring you back to this land. To this spot, this very spot, this place that you're laying down right now, I will bring you back here. And God's doing just that. Now, let's take a moment and see how, how things have changed for, for Jacob since the first time Jacob stopped at Bethel. When he left home in Genesis chapter 28, he didn't have much Jacob will say that he only had his staff with him. He had a, a walking stick. He slept on a rock because he had nothing better. And now he's coming back a wealthy man. He had left his home in fear for his life. His brother wanted him dead. But now he's coming back to Bethel seemingly in peace. When he left, he wasn't sure that he would ever return. He even said to God, after God makes him this promise, his response to God is, if you can make this happen. Jacob didn't walk in faith. He walked in fear and said, God, if you can do this. But now he's coming back, 
having seen the promises of God. And so Jacob calls all of his family, everybody together again and says, we are on the move. We're we're going to move again. Verse 2. So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourself and change your clothes. Um, Then come and let us go to Bethel where I will build an altar to God. That's what Jacob said he was going to do if God was faithful. That, That God is bringing him back so Jacob can be faithful to his word. I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I go. Even in these verses, we continue to see this dichotomy of a life with Jacob. Even as he's continued to see God be faithful in his life, even as he recognizes what God has done, Jacob on some level has kept one foot in God's presence in his life and one foot out of God's presence in his life. He's hearing God and having God speak to him and guide him and direct him and be faithful and make these promises. But yet he's still living in the middle of all these other gods. All these other gods around him and his family. That that he is at best, if we want to give him all the benefit of the doubt in the world, which he has not earned at all, but if we want to do that, it's us. Essentially, he's, he's at least passively allowing all these things to happen. If he's not endorsing it, even if we say personally he's against it all, but he hasn't done anything to prevent it. But because God and his faithful presence in Jacob's life, something finally seems to click for Jacob. And he calls his family together and he says, we need to get rid of all of it. We, all these false gods, all the things that we've brought into our lives that shouldn't be there, we need to get rid of it all. Now, notice God didn't call him to do that. God doesn't say, go up to Bethel, but before you do that, you need to clean out all of these things that are going on in your life. When we encounter God, sometimes our lives are really put into focus. That when we encounter the presence of God, sometimes there's these moments in our lives where where a spotlight is just shone on something. And we don't realize, oh gee, until there's that moment where it's there, where we allow sometimes these things to seep in and creep into our lives. And then suddenly we're encountered in the presence of God and these things suddenly take shape and take hold in our lives. And this is what's taking place in the life of Jacob that suddenly God's presence has shone a light and he takes a step back and realizes how far have we come away from what we were supposed to be? We got to set this right. And so he calls his family together, says, get rid of it all. We're going to commit ourselves to this God that has always been there for me. And and so they do that. In verse 4 it says, they gave Jacob all the foreign gods he had and and, in the rings, and, and sorry, he gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under a tree or under an oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them, so that no one pursued them. While Jacob was living in this area, and you can read about the stories, Jacob's family didn't do a good job of interacting with the people around them. And so <laughs> there had been a lot of, of anger and and death surrounding their family, but God protects them. And so they set out and nobody chases after them. 
They get rid of everything that was against God and their new, and they have this newfound commitment to him. They bury it all under a tree and they come to Bethel to the house of God. Verse 6 says, Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There, there he built an altar, altar. He has been finally faithful to the promise he had made to God. And he called this place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. God had, has shown himself faithful yet again in the life of Jacob. God had promised, I will see you back to this very specific spot. The spot you're laying right now, I will see you back here to this spot, to this moment. And as Jacob's life had twisted and turned, at times seemingly spiraling completely out of control, he had played games with God, he had been anything but someone that we would see as a patriarch or a founding father of our faith or however you want to say it. In the midst of all of that, there was God. Faithful, patient, loving, and kind. After years and years of running from God and drifting through life, just looking for another opportunity, another chance to exploit a situation or to take advantage of a person or, or whatever, there was God. God had not given up on him. The New Testament will say it like this. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God began this work in Jacob. And as Jacob's life went everywhere it went, God was continuing to be, faith continuing to be faithful. He hadn't given up. He hadn't turned his back on Jacob. Even as Jacob's life was going crazy, he who began a good work in him was faithful to see it through to completion. And God calls Jacob back to Bethel, back to God's house. That's what Bethel means. And this is, is what I believe God wants to do in us today. God wants to call us to come back home, to come back to Bethel, to come back to God. What I believe God wants to speak to us about today is, is perhaps in our own lives, some places where we have wandered, where we may have allowed our hearts to wander away from God or from what God has for us, to have, have the same kind of moment Jacob had when God calls him back to Bethel and he looks around and he sees all of this stuff in his life that shouldn't be there. Jacob had spent a, time run, or spent a lifetime running away from God. Maybe, maybe it's been that long for you. Or maybe it just feels like it. In 2020, sometimes a couple of days can feel like a lifetime. But in the face of our wandering hearts, God wants us to call or wants to call us back home to him. In the book of Revelation, there's a church that's described. And, and it says that about the, the church that they've allowed themselves to drift spiritually they describe their drifting. The phrasing that's used is you've abandoned your first love or you've left your first love. It, it's a powerful picture. But, but what does it mean to leave our first love? What does it mean to abandon our first love? Well, first, our attitudes change. Then our desire wanes. 
until finally we just stop. See, most people don't make a decision to abandon their first love. Most people don't make a decision that this is what I'm going to do. Most people make a series of small decisions only then to discover that this is where I am. People don't choose to become addicts. People don't choose to cheat on their spouse. People don't choose to do so many horrible things. They make small compromise after small compromise after small compromise. And before you know it, they are an addict. Before you know it, what they thought was innocent flirting has turned into an affair. Small compromise after small compromise. Those activities that you would never consider missing because you enjoyed them so much. They lose your appeal, lose their appeal, and we just start going through the motions. But as you continue to drift, these activities, they can become a burden. You dislike doing them. Maybe you even resent doing them. You can blame outside circumstances for the way that you feel. But most generally, it is an internal heart issue. And in our relationship with God, it can look like Bible reading and church attendance in person or online. And, and being with other Christ followers, it starts to wane. Your prayer life becomes forced and laborious. You start complaining and criticizing church. The worship is too long. The sermons are too boring. And you no longer have time to serve or help out. And you begin to focus on what's wrong with people. What's wrong with other believers? What's wrong with the church? And our love for the church and our love for other people, and by extension, whether we see it or not, our love for God begins to wane. Sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking things like our, our, our loss of love for the church or for other people. It comes from my righteousness and my holiness, and I, I just want to see everything be right. Because of our, my love for God, because of my love for God, I need to be judgmental. Because of my love for God, I need to find fault. But scripture makes it clear. Because of my love for God, I love people. Because of my love for God, I love his bride. I love his church. And our first love begins to wane until it's gone. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's the story that your life has been telling today. That your first love in the midst of COVID and in the midst of being able to come to church or not able to come to church or not feeling safe to come to church or having to wear a mask to come to church or, or all of the different things that can get in our way that, that, that can cause us to, to think and be and, and cause our relationship with God to, to suffer. God's calling us back home today. Back to Bethel, just like he did for Jacob. And right now, I. Oh, and just before we do that, I want to just make it clear I'm not talking about God's calling you back here to, to, to this building. There are real and true and legitimate reasons why everybody who's not here today is not here today. And I'm not trying to lay guilt or say in some kind of way, you, if you want to be a true Christian, you have to gather in person. Because right now, there's lots of reasons why people are everywhere that they are. And we believe them and we love you and we value you. So don't hear in this, you need to be at church. 
But what I'm saying is don't allow the circumstances that we're facing to affect our relationship with the Lord. And so right now what I want to do is I want to just pause here for a moment in the middle of our, t- of our sermon time together here and invite you to ask God to show you where this might have happened in your life. Where, where have we lost it? Where have we wandered? Where have we let it slip? Where have we lost our love? Just like for Jacob, there's this moment where he realizes there's all these gods here and I didn't even realize it. We need to get rid of those. But I want to invite us just now in this moment, whether you're here watching at home, wherever you're watching from, to to just take a moment and invite God to speak. Uh, David will say, search me and try me, Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. I want to invite us to do that this morning because we're going to move from here and discover what happens when we have this in our lives. But I want to invite you just, we're just going to take a moment for quiet reflection, not long, not 10 minutes or anything like that, but just a couple moments for you to to invite the Lord to speak to you and, and just illuminate something, if there is something in your life, and allow him to begin to shed some light on where, where our hearts have wandered. And so as we turn our hearts and our minds towards Christmas, I I want to invite you to take this as a moment in time to come back to Bethel. No no matter where you are today, God wants to invite you back to him. Our, Our theme for this year is going to be Rediscover Christmas. And I want to invite you to take this Christmas and use it as an opportunity to come back home to come back to Bethel, to rediscover Christmas, to rediscover Jesus, to rediscover your first love. You see, God had not given up on Jacob. And sometimes the God of the Old Testament can get a really bad rap. He's the thunder and lightning, the zap you from heaven kind of God, the the, the anger, the, the wrath of God. And we can sometimes paint the way that God looks in the Old Testament as this vicious dictator tyrant from heaven. But God never changes. And he was full of grace and mercy and love for his kids then, just the same way he is now. And then we see Jacob make this final push in his life from broken to blessed. Verse 9. After Jacob returned from Padamaram, he appeared to him again. He, God appeared to him and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. Just like at the very beginning, what he said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. 
I give, and I will give you this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar. Oh, I missed a verse in there. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. From broken to blessed, this is the story we've been telling about the life of Jacob. This broken mess of a life all the way to blessed. This isn't the end of Jacob's life. There's more to his story, but it's where our journey with Jacob comes to an end. From broken to blessed. As we make the choice to renew ourselves, however broken, however messed up, however lost, and come back home, Jesus told us how this would go. He tells us the story of what happens when we return to our father and we return to our first love. And this is the promise that God has for you today, has for us today. It's the promise that we can take away from the last six weeks of the story of Jacob's life. We have a God and a father who loves us so much that death on a cross was not too much of a price for him to pay for us. Even as our lives resemble Jacob, perhaps more than we would ever like to admit, we have lived rebellious and destructive lives. But in the middle of our dysfunction, our heavenly father's deep love for us was such that he was willing to pay whatever the cost to save us from the destiny that our actions had created for us. And the story of Jacob shows us even at our worst, God's love is faithful, patient, and committed. But it also shows us that even in our rebellion, or maybe more practical for us in our lives today, our wandering away, God is always faithful. He will always remain faithful. And I want to close our time off today with the picture that Jesus paints for us of what it looks like when we humbly return to our Father who loves us so. From Luke chapter 15. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. When we turn and re return to God, God says to you, God says to me, God says to us today, welcome home. All you could see was dark. Our hearts were formless.
Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus. Then click on the About Us on the main menu. And then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go.